Yeah, welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Norm. And we have two very special guests here today with us. Bao Tran, writer and director of Paper Tigers. And Alan Duong, right? Right on. Yeah, producer of Paper Tigers. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you, thank you. It's The Paper Tigers, just as a quick correction. Because oh. people Google Paper Tigers, they'll find another movie. <laughs> it's, it's The Paper. The Paper the, Tigers. The. SEO. Let's get the SEO the. going, yeah. The. Yeah, so... I watched this movie last night with my wife, and usually within 15 minutes, she is knocked out. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until the end of the movie, I heard her make a comment, and I'm like, you were awake the whole time? She goes, yes, yes. And I got to tell you guys, I mean, we talked a little bit about it uh, before going on camera, but what a fucking ride. I mean, it, was, it felt like such a, a throwback to an old school movie. Um, old kung fu flicks throwing some comedy action and life lessons and some modern twists to, to what's going on in today's age and and there you go it's it was just so refreshing to see something like that but what i wanted to ask was i mean all of the characters break the model minority myth i'll put it that way but it didn't seem like you were trying hard to do that was that something you were consciously doing or were you just kind of speaking to your own truth yeah well thanks guys for checking it out and i glad to hear you enjoyed it it's i think about the whole asian american thing it's an interesting thing because you know for a long time we were making movies uh between me uh alan and our other producer michael velasquez uh we were kind of making movies in our own pocket we were just kind of telling stories that we wanted to make and as we went through kind of the asian american film festival circuit there were other types of movies and i think uh there was a certain time that was a lot of a uh, self-autobiographical navel gazing that type of storytelling that asian americans <laughs> Tend, you know, when you go to film festival, you kind of like have that stereotype. But we all were, we were always we were always the odd, odd duck because we had like kind of more broadly appealing and kind of commercial leaning type of stories. Um, but I guess now the timing is right where I think we're going into the next phase of just wanting to tell stories that are not as self conscious and not as, as as on the sleeve. Even though we are, you know, it is an Asian American story, but it's just not in that same vein anymore. So maybe that timing for us uh, being received now. Is, is, is the right time so it's interesting it just felt so honest to me the, the character portrayals like every single char- character I think I, I had a friend like that uh, in real life uh, except, except for um, I guess uh, uh, Sifu Carter which is <laughs> which is my favorite character okay yeah. spoiler alert <laughs> he is hands down my favorite character um, I, I think I mean he, he kind of plays like a caricature of of uh, the, some of the white folks that I know that love Asian culture, uh, and kind of take into the next level where he's fluent. I, what seems he seems to be fluent in Chinese. Is that yeah. a spoiler? Isn't no, it? no, it's all oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the trailer, but, so. Oh my gosh! Like I had so many laughs with him. I, I mean, he just at first I was like, it, "It's uh, I'm going to spoil it. I want to be careful here." But I thought that it was um, based on the way the movie started. I'm like, "Oh, that's going to be the the guy that." antagonist Uh, but mm -hmm. i mean maybe he is maybe he isn't did you know someone like him well i think like you said it's a combination of a lot of people like even now like let's just pull back like a lot of martial arts the torch is being carried by by white folk and especially uh say say wing chun for example in eastern europe is very popular and eastern europeans are practicing it in a more uh faithful and traditional way than 
Chinese people are and people in Hong Kong because they just their kids don't want to do kung fu. Their kids want to go study math and engineering, right? So in a lot of ways, we're seeing a, a seismic shift in which kung fu itself is now going beyond Chinese borders, even as as the people who are kind of uh, carrying that torch and inheriting it. So that's a very real thing out there now. In terms of the cultural leaning and the appropriation, yes, there's plenty of folks within that circle um, who are kind of leaning in hard. Um, so we have, I think everybody has a story of those type of people, those, you know, the, and uh, so I think it's, it's, it's a combination of all that. That was brilliant, the way you wrote him. It was, it was, he was hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. And, yeah. and I was just, I, I mean, I could think of a couple of people like that. If I added them together, I'm like, yeah, that's Seafood Carter. <laughs> you know, that was that was great. Well, it could have been anything. It doesn't have to be Kung Fu. You just always have that exactly, type of personality. Yeah. That's, yeah. You were, I was surprised to hear that you guys started this process over 10 years ago. Is that correct? Yeah. I had We had Wing here last week, and he said you guys pitched it all over the place. Uh, you went to studios. You, had, you must have had several countless meetings. And... And this is something I read online, but I don't know if it's you guys were offered four million dollars for the movie. I mean, it was pretty right? much there were there wasn't just one offer. I mean, there was like several other offers. That, was that the know, most like, lucrative offer? I, I would say there there were others. There were others. So, okay. um, but I mean, pretty much what it was was that you know for us we were kind of naive coming into it like um, ten years ago because ten years ago. Bao and uh, other producer Michael Velasquez was kind of uh, pitching it to I don't know you want to tell the story uh, well when we first started we yeah, were at yeah. the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival they had like a pitch lab uh, for projects that are just kind of getting off the ground we just had a one page treatment at that time and a bunch of uh, all of it, all the other folks in the incubator had like you know full scripts like real filmmakers <laughs> but we just came in like just bam like, here you go with half an idea and we're like oh <laughs> but we pitched it and we uh we got some good feedback so that i think that was enough of a sign for us to kind of keep on forging and actually sit down and actually finish a script because the script itself is probably about uh 90 to 120 pages usually so that's how much development it needs to take to get to that point um and then once we had the script finished we did kind of go around and pitching hopefully to raise the money traditionally which is like have a studio come in and bankroll and just like you know you're on your merry way but uh yeah, yeah. it all kind of changed up for us yeah and and so like once we had that script i hopped on probably year eight of this 10-year journey and you know my my wife was pregnant then and um and then you know obviously now we have an eight-year-old you know mm-hmm. that's now the movie is out which is kind of crazy so this is like having you know two kids at once you know and and so when I hopped on, we were kind of going around, you know, flying everywhere, you know, meeting with um, studios, investors, whatever it was. And, you know, then it was about it was several years before, you know, Crazy Rich, Black Panther and stuff like that came mm-hmm. out. So, you know, this whole kind of trend of representation in film was not there. And um, we just didn't get any traction because people were just like, well, there's no other Asian American film or POC led film that makes money. It's not profitable. Right. Like, right. you know, there was joy luck club years ago, like almost several years ago. Um, and then, um, uh, better luck tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So we didn't have anyone to compare ourselves to. So, um, so people, you know, studios love the script, you know, you read it, it's, it's an easy read, you know, simple story. Um, so, but then they just kept pushing back about the lead cast. And then, you know, and then that's when, you know, we started getting these offers where it's just like, hey, we'll give you X amount of money, but swap out the lead character into a white character. 
and therefore we're going to make more money, right? Or, you know, swap out all three. What? Swap out all three? Swap out all three. You know, like we change the whole dynamic of the, the story. Exactly. And so for us, it's just like, you know, by then we've been probably trying to pitch for got a good five years then and then we're just like man fuck that you know like it's you know and, and we easily just walked away from all of those offers it was like you know we'd rather put in the time get the right people to fund this and then tell our own story and so that's ultimately what we did and that's why it became a 10-year journey and we ended up having the power behind the camera because we raised our own money and we casted exactly the people that we wanted and you know the rest is history so I want to go back to what you just said. You said you easily walked away. How do you easily walk away? I mean, a lot of filmmakers. It's more I, of a moon walk away. We still held our eyes on yeah, it. And, and, like, then, yeah. and then stutter. They didn't turn their back on it. They didn't turn their back on it. I was like, that's a lot of money. Like, uh, even myself, I would be. T- I would think about it. I mean, that's a lot of money. I'm like, man, you could bring... My project, you could help bring my project to life, however, with a few caveats. I, I would have sat down and thought about it. I would be lying to myself if I said, you know, I, for me personally, that I could easily walk away. Unless, unless it was um, like, like a clear-cut film with Asian characters and it would be a complete betrayal or selling out if it wasn't. But in this case, the film itself... It looked like it could be. I mean, I've I've seen movies before, uh, kung fu movies or karate movies with uh, white people. Like, uh, what was the one? Um, Double Dragon. Double Dragon. <laughs> there was one where there was uh, three kids. I actually like this film. Three when ninjas. I was kid. Three ninjas. Oh, yeah, 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 three, yeah. So uh, I I mean that's not unheard of, or but to walk away from that, did that was that at some point where you regretting that decision? Like, damn, maybe we should have taking that money because we would have all these toys and options to play with by sacrificing some of the control it's i mean bao can speak uh, upon this about you know the, uh, the script in terms of the script and the story that he worked on but like you know for us i think as a team you know w- luckily we're pretty practical people you know we would think logically about you know, trying to solve problems and stuff like that and so for us you know like we're not a multi-million like 15 20 million dollar movie like we know that you know like and and when you think about it, even if we were offered that much where is that money actually going right, know, right we want to make sure that most of the money goes to the screen like to make sure that it actually looks like a 20 30 million dollar movie versus thinking of well i'm gonna slip this into my mm. pocket and then you know mm-hmm. like so so our our main goal was always to tell the right story and make the best movie possible and so for us it it made more sense because like if you already bend over to allow a studio to tell you hey bring in these white guys you're like oh yes sir bring them in Ooh, what, yes master what what other you know things are they going to ask for after that right yeah and then they you know they slip you the check and then you're just like well you know is a slippery slope you you start you know they you know, own you at that point yeah they, i mean it's their, it's their investment so and that's understandable i think from an investment if i'm an investor yeah, I'm going to want to put in my two cents, even though I, if I have no um, specialty in this field, I may want to protect my investment and say, do what they did since they got money. Yeah. And, and instead of trusting some random guys, um, what they, they'd be like, I never heard of. I, I want you to put this famous person. 
Now, during the negotiation with the studio, did they throw any famous names at you to try to sweeten the pot? Um, so we had a uh, we had a uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Uh, Bruce yeah. Willis. Stop uh, Bruce it. Bruce Willis. Yeah, like Bruce Willis was one to play um, to play who the Sifu. Seafood it Carter? wasn't necessarily specific. No, no way he would be Seafood Carter. <laughs> well, because they were naming like a lot of like older, you know, like middle aged to upper, like um, older actor, uh, white actors. And so. Mm-hmm. Also of a certain cachet, right? Yeah. So. so it was just more about they weren't thinking in terms of story. That's the thing is that when they throw these actors' names out, you know, like they're not thinking in terms of like what we wrote. It was just more of, well, how do we attract more people to come to the you know and and right. make, get our money back right. it's always about you know like um the return you know right. and so that's why um god what were the other names i mean that was the trip because it was like they threw out a lot of names but you had seafood carter a white character in the movie but they wanted like all the marbles they wanted like the leads to be you know so it's like it doesn't they didn't understand like you kind of i think to alan's point like i question when i hear that it's like do you even read the script mm-hmm. so if you're going to give us a check like are you even doing it for like the right reasons you know so it was an easy no honestly for me and then just it was obvious i think we knew we were going to have this conversation because honestly we're not unusual i think anyone who is poc has spent some time in hollywood or la has pitch projects you know there's a very common studio note so it's nothing that's unusual it's just that now we're we're, we're able, thankfully have a platform to talk about it and and, and be able to speak some uh, truth to it but you know uh it's a constant battle it's like the the catch the default catch 22 if that makes sense but it's like that's how they know like they can co-opt you with a you know production deal, essentially. Now, do you think there will be more filmmakers coming up, kind of using you or seeing you guys as inspiration, going, you know what, these guys can do that and still maintain control of the art. I think I can do it too. Do you think the trend is starting to turn a little bit? I mean, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, that's that's pretty much like the reason why we openly talk about this journey, right? Uh, aside from just purely promoting the film, which you guys should watch. But um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> By the way, it got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Certified yeah. fresh. Very, yeah, very. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely a reason why we we talk about this is because you know, like amongst filmmakers, I mean, this is a common thing, but. You know, for others out there, you know, like and especially the timing of the pandemic and, you know, the all of the, the rise of Asian hate and stuff like that. Like it's, you know, this is a reminder that, you know, all of this stuff is not new. It's sort of been quiet. You know, it's just kind of like behind the scenes type stuff. And then, you know, so not a lot of people actually know anyone who actually went through it. Right. So when we come out and talk about it, you know, we hope that we can save other POC filmmakers, you know, the, the the heartache, the headache of, you know, realizing that this is how things are done at, you know, the studio level and that there are other options of, you know, getting your own funding and, and kind of having that control. So, right. Yeah, I mean, there's power in that visibility. I know that that's, you know, that's the other buzzword, just being visible uh, and to be that, you know, if we could be that example that people would point to, then um, then we'd consider ourselves, you know, blessed and fortunate that we could be that. But exactly that, like most of these deals that if we were to take these deals, you know, they just happen in back doors. Like you wouldn't know those compromises that are made to kind of get this movie. You know, you would, you would never know the, the, you know, the, how they're shortchanged to get those productions up. But for us to kind of like have this out there for people to see and point to, you know, I think that if people can run with it, then by all means run with it. Right. Now, during this process of shopping around, trying to get this film made, um, did you get a lot of no's? Yeah. 
how did you push through those no's? Oh, well, you go to the next door. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you make it sound so simple, cause, yeah. but that can, for a lot of people, that can be very discouraging, yeah. hearing those no's and having those doors close on them or not even having those doors answered to yeah. hear what you have to say yeah. in, in the first place yeah. because yeah. of who you are or what you may look like or your story. It's a lot of way. I mean, that's the way the business works. Like, there, I've, I'll just speak personally. You know, I've, there were a couple of emails that I sent out that went unanswered, and suddenly the movie's out, then they're answered. So that's hey there, to, hey there, hey, how are you? Uh, new email. Who dis? <laughs> just like, so just like, it's the same thing. It's like that's the way it is, unfortunately. But you know, at the end of the day, when you look back, it's like those are the people that you wouldn't want to be squatted up with, anyways. So True. when you find the people that want to ride with you, then that's that's what you want. And, uh, you know, I don't need them anyways. You just, it's really that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think we look at that kind of big picture thing. If your picture, your story is worth telling, you find the right people to do it with. Is it because you guys had each other and, and uh, your other partner and, and you guys helped each other kind of stay, keep your head above water and and keep moving forward and believe in each other? What was Did that play a huge part in it? Uh, that, that definitely was a part of it because, um, I mean, it's it's been 10 years and we've had a weekly meeting with our team for 10 years. We haven't stopped. What? We, Stop playing. We yeah. haven't stopped. It's every Tuesday night and we talk to each other and like, and it's become like kind of, you know, brothers, right? We became the Paper Tigers. Like it was just like. <laughs> the three of you guys the three, became the Paper Tigers. Three, well, there's like a total of five, five of us. Yeah, five. Yeah, but like. But they're weekly come to Jesus moments. <laughs> it's, it's a therapy session, but like, but it, it's gotten so close to the point where, you know, like whenever we have like big events in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. some of the first things that we do, we, we go to that chat group first and say hey uh you know i just my baby was born whatever and then like you know like it's <laughs> my mom's whatever. birthday today, NBD, whatever NBD, and then, NBD, yeah. yeah yeah exactly and so it we've been really close and and so but because of that you know we we kind of understand the whole idea of relationships right like it an investor or anyone who wants to back this project has to be the right partner and so it's not just money it's more of it's it's like dating. It, I mean, literally, we mm. were trying to date this whole time and trying to find the right partner. And so, um, because we don't we don't want just your money. We want you to support this when it's done. And you're going to go reach out and you're going to put this out there with us. Like you're you're going to be a part of this army with us. And so, um, so the thing that we learned through uh, pitching and everything was that um, the our biggest supporters understood what this was about within 10 minutes if you speak if the person is still wanting more time with you after the 10 15 minutes and they're still questioning like kind of picking at those little things that are you know whatever it is like um you know that's that's sort of a red flag to us it's like i don't think you get what this movement's about uh and 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 ultimately you know instead of having no's we're the ones who are saying no like so the you first, guys turned the tables on that. Yeah, so like the first year, you know, because we were kind of like new, we were like, oh, please say yes, please say right, yes. Right, right, right. You know, please, we want millions of dollars. And then, but once, you know, we get a little bit more callous and like, you know, like we've kind of gone through it a little bit, then you start to dissect everyone as you sit in the meeting. You're just like, oh, you don't get it. It's okay, don't worry about it. We'll go, f- do you have a friend who's down with, representation in our sense you know behind the scenes 
right? Like everyone might be touching up on, you know, like, oh, are they East Asian in front of the screen? Are they, you know, this and that, like, you know, and nitpicking, right? And and for us, we, we just figured out very quickly that, oh, we're here to find the right partner and not just money. Not so, just any partner. That's, yeah. wow, that's, that's incredible. And what was that turning point where you, like, what was that point after a year where you said, you know what? No, we, we have the power. We're the ones with the story here. We have something that's, that has value in it where people are going to see this and they're going to want to see it. Like, what was that point where you just brought all the power back to you guys? Um, was there a specific moment where someone just did something to, that was totally callous and kind of you just said, you know what? F all that, man. Well, I think the the biggest turning point was, you know, I mean, to go back to all of those offers about, you know, changing our character you know, to a white character. I mean, that in itself wasn't all bad. It was just like, oh, we didn't see it as them trying to change it into a white character. We saw it as you like the story, don't you? You like the story. We wouldn't be having this conversation if you didn't, right? So yeah. That's, so that was it. like a proof of concept. Like, yo, this yeah, is actually I mean, pretty good. We took it in that, in that sense, you know, and we, you wouldn't be having three or four follow-up meetings. Yeah. If, if, there, if you didn't see something here. So you, it's like mm. you, you're sensing something that you want, but you need it on your terms. So I, we took it in terms of that. Complimentary, yeah. Yeah. So. so it was it was sort of like our Dave Chappelle moment, you know, it's like gotcha bitch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like but <laughs> But, That's it, a good it's, analogy. but it's yeah. that sense where it's just like we got you like and, and then the next studio was just like how about this money change this guy and we're like we got you too didn't we you know and and so that was just like for us we're just like let's keep going and not take this money and and so uh for us it was a long-term investment and then uh we ultimately went to kickstarter like, we were just like well we're not gonna get studio money so let's just move on you know like we're um you know let's not be emotional about it and right. just be, you know, pragmatic and just, you know, go find people who actually understand us. Like, again, like what I said, it was find the right partner, you know. Right. And, and so for us, the, we knew there was an audience out there. We just had to reach out. Right. And, and you guys were very successful in your Kickstarter, right? Did you guys hit, hit all your goals? Yeah. So we, we had kind of a coming to Jesus moment where we we're just like, well, we're going to go public on Kickstarter. And the thing about Kickstarter is that, you know, if you don't make your goal, you get no money. So it was just like either, you know, it's going to be a public failure if we, you know, don't make it. So it's and and I think I, I probably told the team that if we don't make this, I'm done. You know, like it's just like because we, we won't be able to get an audience and it's going to look bad. And how am I going to pitch this to investors? And then but then at the same time, I was just like, but the goal has to be big. It's either go big or go home. And so... Shoot, I, I would think a lot of people would kind of take a step back. Did anybody push back on the team say, hey, if we go big and we don't hit that go, like, why can we start with a lower bar? Like, is, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone must have said that. Try to, we did. Right? <laughs> I mean, we went back Because I'm forth. thinking, of, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm thinking like, I'm listening to you, like, if I'm part of your team, I'm like, hey, why don't we go for something easier? So we <laughs> don't... Easy you know, layup. Over the layup. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, like, I mean, like, we... I mean, the layup, the layup level was like, I think we were thinking about like 15, 20K. Right. And then, Which is usually the average if you look at Kickstarter. Yes. Film projects for Kickstarter. And also those films are done. So there's mostly those funds are used for post-production right, to kind right. of finish it. Right. But we didn't right. have anything. Or a camp, short right? film. 15, yes. 20K is yes. usually a short film. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the story was is that, you know, we were, we were going back and forth on our, you know, weekly meeting. And then we were just like, and I just kind of got fed up. I was just like, look, I'm done pitching to these studios. If we want a statement win, 
is 50K and above, right? And then we were thinking, well, how about 50K? And so I kind of did my research, looked around, and I was like, yeah, but all the projects who did 50K, that's not a big deal. Like, it's just like, you know, like, because I was thinking, like, what's the message here? Like, what are we trying to do? If we get 50K, you know, that's not a, we're, we're not sending a message to all the studios that we have an audience. So we doubled it up and we did $110,000. And, um, as the initial goal. As initial goal. And we, that's what you went public with 110. We went public with 110 and we were sweating bullets for a 30, 30 days, 30 days. And Alan, that would have been on you because Bow and the rest of the guys, I told you, you, I told told you, you. I I admit it was, it was my idea to go that big. I mean, I wanted big, I I didn't have a specific number, but like for me, it was just like, ah, I just want that statement win you know the, the fuck you we made it you know type of thing and so the balls on this guy got you bitch <laughs> yeah and so and wow. man like as a team we i mean we put in a lot of work to i bet yeah. every day reaching out to people and just you know like messaging people like hey you know this this that and then um and so after about i think it was 25 days we were at 50 percent wow and we only had like 10 Fine. yeah like almost a week left and I was just Oof. like, I stared at it and I was just like, well, we, we can't, you know, I can't bring this back to my wife and say we failed because we already burned through like what, five years. And, and that was already rough on the family. And so, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, like we, we um, we had, uh, Ronnie Chang, uh, see our Kickstarter the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big ups to Ronnie. Like he, he tweeted, he, he backed us and then. Oh, that's, man, that's that's when awesome. the firestorm kind of started. Wait, so he that. didn't know any of you guys. He just but he saw what you guys were doing. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it, it's it, it went on. Uh, Bao did an interview uh, with uh, Angry Asian Man, I believe, or um, I don't think so. Or oh, maybe Yuji did. So, yeah, or yeah, yeah someone. Our other did. producer Yuji. So Angry Asian Man, I believe, um, either retweeted something about our Kickstarter, um, or I don't mm. remember the specific story, but like, you know. The Asian American audience out there really supported us, came out Hell and, yeah. and helped us out. You know, like, you know, big, uh, big ups to uh, Hudson Yang and his dad. Um, uh, Hudson from uh, Fresh Off the Boat mm-hmm. tweeted about us too, backed us. He's been a backer. You know, he came to our premiere down in L.A. as well. And, and because of those guys, we had a megaphone. And I love that, man. And, and, and it spread like wildfire. And by, I think, we had five days left. All of a sudden, we shot up fifty thousand dollars, and um, like it was a layup, like it was a layup, and then uh, and then we uh, we made it. We ended up having uh, raised a hundred and twenty four thousand dollars. We went over the hundred and ten thousand. By the skin of your teeth, but you did it. <laughs> we did it, and I would never do it again. <laughs> yeah, you do it. Sweating bullets. You do it. It is stressful that as stressful. hell, man. And That's a lot of weight on you. Yeah, and you, you must because you must be clicking like refresh. Oh the yeah, time. yeah. We were refreshing yeah. like constantly, and we we're just like, "Yo, we got another five hundred dollars." You know, like it was like it was like, "Oh God!" But you know, that's that's you know that's indie film. You know, like right. you have to you have to make it happen. So. But at the end, you guys exceeded that by. I mean, you guys hit the seven figure mark, right? Well, by the time you you were in the process of making the film, us outside of the Kickstarter. So right. we hit the Kickstarter that went went above that but we that didn't that didn't mean we were done like we st- that was really a tenth of our budget essentially right. we still had to raise the whole the rest of the whole and that's kind of like put it like to what alan was saying that statement when 
put us in front of eyeballs and put us in front of other people that we normally wouldn't have been able to pitch to. And then they came to us or they were willing to at least hear us and meet us. And so that kind of opened up a whole nother door for us to, to find uh, private investors and supporters. Was uh, there like a video they could see like Hudson and Ronnie Chang? Like what, what made them want to, you, you know, put you guys out there? Well, we had shot. So, yeah, backing up, we had sh we had portions of the film or uh, portions of the funding in place and we decided to shoot parts of the film. So you saw the film. So it's the part where the, the actors, are, uh, the younger portion, the 80s and 90s segment. The VHS. I love the VHS. Yeah, part. yeah. I love those guys were, were awesome, yep. by the way. Yeah, yeah. I love their yeah. chemistry. They're, yeah. they're great. They're crazy. So they, they're crazy. Like, are they yeah. stuntmen or are they actors? Actors, stuntmen. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of, like all of them are kind of in that Their skill level just world. exuded on the screen. Yeah, and yeah. we needed that swag. Yeah. So I yeah. think that was something that we needed. And we we cast them right away to shoot just that portion of the film, not knowing what the rest of the cast is going to look like or kind of like oh. just shooting this portion because you, what you could do is a proof of concept. Uh, but oftentimes it gets redone. Like it's not really part of the movie. I wanted to shoot pages from the but movie. But you actually used it yeah, I in the final cut. Yeah, because it's like, uh, why you go through all the effort to just, uh, you know, redo the whole thing? Like with any, like let's shoot pages. Uh, <laughs> so we, yeah, yeah, so we shot 10%, the first 10 pages of the film. We took that, we cut that into a trailer and that was kind of our main, the main asset, the main attractor for the Kickstarter and, and, and after that as well. So I think it was that and just becoming that conversation piece and, and, and all, this, all this stuff around us. Wow. Wow. Wait, so you, <laughs> Amazing. When you knew you were going to use that in the final cut. Yeah. Or, or, or did it, it just fit? Yeah. No, we planned for it. And I think even the actors didn't even know. They were like, is this just some kind of screen test or something? But it's like we, in, in terms of preparing for us, like I need to know what I'm setting up here that's going to pay off later, right? So we were starting, we had to map all that. Don't they usually do a short film? They usually do. The good ones usually do, but we didn't. <laughs> the smart ones do. Ronnie Chang is in a short film. That's usually, right yeah, now. usually that's condense the script out. or you take a piece and then like use as a as a uh, intro or kind of a proof of the concept or showing the world and then parlay that into raising the rest of it. But we've done that before. We've did kind of like seen all that things that, like Kung Fury, do you remember Kung Fury? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. so that, that was like that. a concept piece and yeah. I think they're doing a feature out of that now. So that's an right. example where they're gonna redo, basically redo everything. But for an indie film, we can't afford. I'm not gonna go through you know all that just to redo the re remake the wheel. Yeah, so we yeah. just wanna shoot the pages and actually have something in the movie. At worst, actually at worst, it could have been vaporware. Like, it's smart now. We're looking back, but yeah. in, in the moment, we're like, you know, that's a real big risk. That's another big risk. The artistic risk that we were taking, right? Of just putting our foot down and, and making it and, and shooting I, that. Portion. I think it turned out well. I love that yeah, and how you incorporated that into the film. Um, during the writing process, were there any parts where you started going like, um, did you, like, did you know right away you wanted this to be action comedy? The premise itself, what lent itself to that a humorous action dramatic like i the way i saw the world see the world is is kind of partly comic too like you mentioned going back to the kung fu people you see like they're funny like people who practice martial arts are true. funny because they, they come in for all kinds of reasons some and sometimes it's tragic some people come in from trauma and they come to martial arts learn wanting to heal those wounds and some people come in as cultural tourists some people come in just for fitness freaks or something you know or follow a girlfriend or whatever like it's just so funny all these people are there for so many different reasons. And I have found that so fascinating that we're all punching and kicking each other, but everyone there <laughs> is, but is not there for on the same page or the same motive. Mm. And that's such a fascinating thing to me to have that element. So anyway, so it's like that whole kind of thing is the way I see the world. And when I had the premise of just kind of like, okay, what would it like for me to be older, out of shape, and then try to rekindle things that I lost and 
that that's is the part funny. I loved about and that is funny movie. yeah it's yeah. like what would I have to do like I'd have to limber up for a little bit like it would, you go through that whole process and it is in and of itself funny or if you see it that way and it is so, so you mentioned something earlier about, about you know being a real filmmaker you're not really a real filmmaker <laughs> I, said that. Uh, I would challenge you on that okay, okay. you know that looked totally legit like yeah. you know and I, I would assume a bunch of your kickstarters and the people that voted 100% on Rotten Tomatoes would also agree with me on that yeah. But at what point did you start looking at yourself like a real writer, a real director? And second mm-hmm. question, how many hats did you wear? Good question. So yeah, the, I think the, just to kind of back up the big picture, like to me, Alan with the Kickstarter, us with raising the rest of the money, and then the film also being critically and audience uh, favorable, which is mm-hmm. incredible and stuff. Like this is a hat trick on hat trick on hat trick. Like. This is very rare, and I hope we all kind of understand what uh, we're we're treasuring the moment because it's like it's this does not happen because we've been around we're jaded just as much as anyone else about how things happen and it shouldn't happen this way so we're very uh, excited about that um, but yeah in terms of trying to get it here it's wearing many hats um, you know learning the business side of production and you have to do that because no one else is going to do it for you so a lot of that is rolling up your sleeves and learning you know. Uh, all, all, all 360 as, uh, you know, aspects of filmmaking, not just kind of the art of it. So well, we were never the ones just sitting there like, mm, with my French beret, mm, filmmaking. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> it's like work. You got to grind it and make yeah. it happen. So I think that's the other element. But also keep your craft up. And that was also important because we could do a Kickstarter and raise all this money, but the, the movie's not any good. Like, what good is that? Right. And so we just kind of knew and kept our eye on the ball. What was the most important thing is the story. And really, honestly, everything to serve the story, our financial decisions, how to raise the money, the money that we take, the money that we don't take was, is this in service of the story? And that was, that was the key. So it, when you say hats, it's hard to say. It's just like, I always felt single-minded. I always knew that was the goal. So whatever hat was put on my head. Because you also did that some of the editing, did you not? Yeah, well, we had you know team editors. So we have an editor for uh, kind of the drama, the most of the picture part, Chris Christensen, and our action director, Ken Kidwa, also edits. So we kind of like brought everybody's talents together on that. Because it's a piece when you do action stuff, there's kind of specific nuance that uh, if you don't know action, you're not quite, you won't be able to know where to cut. And then you put together also drama. Cutting drama is its own uh, thing too. It's very important. Yeah, editing is an art within itself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you hit yep. a nail on the head right there. You have to know when to cut. And a lot of the times, sometimes they cut too soon or too late. Or they just hold on to something for too long. Um, so at what point did you start feeling like where you, where you would consider yourself? And then you're trying to be a bit modest here, but... <laughs> uh, you know where you go all right i'm a director yeah because at some point you have to tell yourself that like i am good yeah or i am good enough and i deserve to be great yeah at what point was that for you um well i guess backing up when i made movies started making movies i made it in the backyard it was all organic i learned how to write direct edit just as a piece because no one else was it wasn't like going to film school where you had like different roles and everybody kind of like came together so i never had that division of labor concept so it was always just making movies so whatever piece meant going to order you know something from ebay for this prop same is the same job as writing changing this line because this actor can't speak it or can't like it was all one thing to me so i always saw filmmaking as just the one kind of giant process um but i think what you're getting at is the imposter syndrome like i never felt that i've never felt that in terms of like i think a lot of people say like i don't i feel like don't belong like I know I do things differently, but I go in and like these, there's pros and they're all, you know, doing it the right way or the research. I don't care. 
Like I just need to know what's happening in this box because yeah. that at the end of the day that's what movies are. Like that's that's the job. I don't care like what credit who did what. Like if you want say you did everything on the movie, I don't care. Like it's like as long as it goes into the frame and it gets the thing that we need is all that matters. So the whole thing that I never got kind of got into it. So in terms of the self-perception, I felt I belonged just as much as anyone else. Um, I knew I didn't do things the way that were right. the same as other, but right. it, it sounds like a lot of things you guys are doing are totally against the grain, <laughs> which I yeah. respect. Yeah. I respect greatly because you went the harder route and the road less traveled, yeah. which is why there's not a ton of filmmakers that has a similar story as you guys. It's that's extremely rare. Um, but the imposter syndrome, it's its just so, I mean, it's, it's, there's so many people, especially in this field where it's art uh, and it's going to be seen by, by many eyes. They have this feeling or they question, am I good enough before blowing up? Right. I mean, right now you're, you're, you're at this paper at the stage where, okay, you've got a lot of proof of concept, but before all of that, right. Dialing back, you said you never felt that. And I find that it's incredible and you know it's just most people even people that i know are extremely talented they get that imposter syndrome yeah i think it's a question of process like if you love the process and you're you follow the craft that gives you the key because the question that you're asking am i good enough i don't ask those questions i ask is this going to work does Mm. the audience get this so you just reframe it i I don't there's nothing reframe because i don't ask it from that perspective like i just think like this with the audience Will this serve the audience? You know what works because they're they're your they're the boss. It's not the investors. The audience is your boss. To, mm-hmm. That's the way I look at storytelling. Because I'm trying to tell you a story, and if you're not along the ride with me, I need to figure out how to get you hooked in, right? So uh, that's, you're buying the tickets. You're buying the tickets. Yeah, I mean, like Brad Bird, the famous director at uh, Pixar, and he says, you know, our job as filmmakers is telling campfire stories, and the uh, the campfire Ooh, is that. as big as the world. And that's the way I see that. So it's like, it's not a question of whether good or I'm good. It's like, it's like do whatever it needs to be to be able to tell that story yeah. uh, as effectively as you can. Yeah, I speak to a lot. I mean, we speak to a few filmmakers and it's, it's always like that. Uh, where we're, we, we know a few of them. We're like, man, they're freaking talented. How, how are they not at a different place in this, in this career? And, um, you know, when we go out, coffee, drinks, whatever, and they just, I, I get the sense of, like they have this imposter syndrome for mm. whatever reason, and mm. and perhaps you know if they if uh, some of the people listening to this, uh, maybe they could take uh, so you know a piece of picking your brain here and going <laughs> you know what maybe yeah I should look at it that way maybe it's not about me, maybe it's about them, it's something much bigger than that. So it's definitely like the film business and just like any other industry, it's like there, there's there's a mentality right. It's it's. It's pretty much how do you approach your work, and and for us as a team, it's always been, you know, you have a million different problems, right? Issues that you have to solve, but if you stack it a certain way, you only see one in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, you know, it's just more of let's knock this one out in front of us, the next one, next one, ten years later, oh, we have a movie, right? That's that's just pretty much like our mentality, and that, you know, the whole like, am I a director? Am I a writer? Am I a real producer? Because like, you know, when you go into these meetings, they're just, they look at you and they look at your IMDb credits and they're just like, you've never produced a feature film before. Yep. So, you know, the first couple meetings that we had. Well, they look at your social media. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, they see, well, you don't have a following yet. Right. Right. But the thing is, is that, you know, and, and I always tell a lot of people, this is that the reason why we were so confident going into a lot of those meetings is because as a collective this isn't our first time making movies you know what i mean like it's 
this is the first time making maybe a feature film as a producer and a director, but you know, like Bao has been an editor for, you know, um, uh, uh, a feature film in uh, uh, Vietnam, you know, who that was, uh, I think nominated for best international film, you know, like at the Academy Awards. And so like, it's just like, and then, you know, our, our stunt guys, you know, uh, won us some stunt awards for the Mandalorian, right. And, uh, um, Batman versus Superman terminator so we knew like our action is going to be good so you know i don't have to worry about that and for us as producers it's like you get into these investor meetings or you know like pitching to studios and you know the the 10 a.m meeting that we have you know they're picking apart our budget they're just like this is too expensive how Mm -hmm. you know like there's no way it's going to be made right and then i hit our noon investor meeting and that studio says the complete opposite. What? Exactly. And so from then on, you just realize this is all a game, right? It's like, oh, nobody knows shit. And we're and, all just pretending. So you could give me money to play <laughs> pretend. Because everyone <laughs> just has a, a kind of a perspective of like what a kung fu movie is. But once you meet the investor or whoever that matches with you, they're just like, I get what you're trying to do. Here's my money. And that's why you said that a meeting shouldn't last like more than 10 minutes it because shouldn't. they understand then they already get it within the first like tagline of, of the pitch. Exactly. But I, I, but I think it's beyond that because I think at the end of the day for most, I would say for all the people who got involved or invested, they've just believed in us. Yes. Like it may not necessarily, they, they don't sure. know Kung Fu or they, whatever. That's a cool story, but they love this story of people trying to make the movie. And so I think that was kind of the thing that in terms of, I don't know, game recognized game or like they just saw something that was like they're whatever they do. I want to be a part of that. And that's the power, because if you pitch script, they're looking at the script, not yep. you. Yep. And that's kind of like the different thing as well. So I think it's, it's about it's a people. It's a people business. Right? At the same time, you're selling yourselves. Yes, it's 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 all about so ourselves important. at the end yeah. of the day. It's not it was not about the script. Like none of our biggest investors and supporters right now actually read the script. Like we just told them what it was about and why we're the ones who are going to do it and why we're, we never gave up. Right. We are just, we are as confident as we were, um, you know, 10 years ago, a lot more smarter, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, so, so I think, you know, with the whole imposter syndrome kind of mentality, you know, if you want to get things done, you you really have to kind of figure out, kind of psychoanalyze yourself and just realize that, Oh, no one really knows what they're doing. You're, we're, we're all out here trying to solve an issue that's in front of you right now. So, Exactly. Little while. I like how you said you wanted to just go at it one step at a time. And then before you know it, you're at the goal line. Yep. I mean, that's, that's so valuable. And, and uh, I mean, so many people just look at the big picture and then they get overwhelmed. But when you break it down to, to that science, it, it, it usually always works out better when you just lay one break at a time. Yeah. So I thought that was beautiful. Well, I think a lot of people confuse uh, being being flexible versus being reactive. I think it's a huge difference because, uh, you know, just like let's just say you're a model uh, and you someone says something's wrong with your face, something's wrong with your nose, and you start fixing that and fixing that because you're trying to like – and it's never quite right. You end up being like this Picasso painting yeah. <laughs> a plastic surgery, right? It's like it's just so messed up. So same thing with the movie and the script and you have notes, you have script notes, you know, everybody's going to give you notes. Uh, but you know, if you react to each thing and every little n- uh, nitpick or whatever, it could be a big note or whatever. Does that really tell you the story that you wanted to tell? Is that who you are? 
as, as a filmmaker and a storyteller. So I think that's what we always kind of like held on to. It's like, well, this is the thing we're going to make. If you want to get on board and get on board or don't. Um, and I think what the biggest thing is, it's like, uh, I think a lot of people will hear, get a note and they end up, you know, changing it beyond recognition and it becomes not the movie anymore. And I think that's why it was just such an easy decision to kind of walk away from I, a certain times offer. But for other people, they're like, well, you got to change. Like, cause they'll think like, well, you're just being inflexible. And it's like all these things like, and they kind of play that card. It's like, if you're not being flexible, you're going to die, right? Sharks, you got to swim, but you won't. So uh, it ends up being, you know, main mutilated beyond recognition right. at a certain point. I mean, I totally get that now after, you know, just talking to you up until this point, I could see and understand why it was easy for you guys to walk away from. I mean, at the beginning of the conversation, I'm like, wait, time out. No, <laughs> you know, but, but after, you know, just understanding your journey and, and I'm, 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 you're walking me through it, you're holding my hand through it and I'm going, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. That said, how important is it or what, where did you prioritize monetary gain to get return on your investment, you know, through the last 10 years of your time? Um, I mean, Bao kind of mentioned it where, you know, we were purely focused on story and what's here, right? So whatever funding and everything, like we, we had certain things in mind of like how we're going to build um, this movie. It, it really came down to people like you can't you cannot make a great movie without the right team. And, you know, and, and so like, we're very lucky that, you know, I've been working with Bao since like 2006, 2005 ish. And, and the core of our team actually was from, um, uh, Bao's short film bookie, uh, award-winning, um, short film. And it wasn't just about the movie itself. I mean, the movie itself was, you know, an amazing uh, short film. You guys should check it out. Um, but, it was also the team. It was also like on set. There was something special about it. And I'm, I'm not even playing around or it was like, it was the first time I saw um, people of color being department heads, you know, leading it as a director. There's a producer, Michael Velasquez, um, the uh, main villain and action director uh, for the paper tigers was in that short film. Um, uh, Ken Kitagua and, um, he, he didn't have the APAC back then, but goddamn, that guy. <laughs> we have some stories later about him. but um, And, you know, it was just the vibe on set. You Is know? he the guy that was uh, the poison hand? Yeah, the, poison the, fingers. Am I, give, am I giving a... Poison fingers. <laughs> <laughs> poison yeah. fingers. Yeah, the guy was real. I was watching him, like, uh, hit the bag. Yeah. I was like, goddamn. I mean, it's a lot of sweat or oil, whatever it was, but... <laughs> The guy, you can't hide it. The guy's ripped. That's why yeah. he's ripped out of his awake. mind. Yeah. And yeah. so we had just this core team. And so, like, you know, when we were getting funding, we wanted to make sure that the right people were there. So we, you know, ever since that short film, uh, we promised each other that we would make a feature film together. And, it, you know, it took 15, 16 years. But, you know, we're here and they were still the department heads leading everything. And we put all of our money towards getting the right people, getting them paid getting them fed, making sure that the film set was just, you know, managed, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, 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 that's one thing that, you know, people kind of overlook about film um, is that it's, it's a team sport, right? It, um, kind of like what I mentioned, it's like basketball, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, you have your point guard, your, your power forward center, um, your wing players. And, and, you know, once they are taken care of and it's like a happy set where everyone's just loose you know, we bring in the pros and, you know, do, you know, like wing, God, you know, like wing is a legend, you know, like, 
Um, I totally got that from the podcast we had with Wing Lee. He, you know, he was just saying this was the proudest set that he's ever worked on. To your credit. Yeah, um, he said it was a dream come true for him. Yeah, you're welcome, the, Wing. <laughs> Asian Americans, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just working together, working behind together. and in front of the camera, along well, with several other people of color. He was just like it was just something that he was just so proud to, that he had an opportunity to be a part of. Whereas, I mean, we were talking earlier. You were like, "Oh man, Wing wants to work. He, he wants to work with us." And Wing is just so humble. He looked at it the other way around. Like, I'm just so proud that I had an opportunity to work with you guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that feeling was definitely uh, reciprocal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, just even along the way, we got dispatches from the field. So we had these friends that worked on uh, our short film, you know, many years ago, but they went on to go strength to strength, you know, working on studio films and Marvel movies and stuff like that. But, you know, after hours, they'd come home and they kind of share stories. And, uh, you know, Hollywood's not all it's cracked up to be. You go in a bigger budget film, you have less creative control about designing action or doing the stuff there that, that allows them to do their best work. So, we see all the kind of the machinery at work. So we kind of knew what we were doing was unique. And also for them to come, come up uh, and chill with us, you know, and shoot with us for six weeks, that meant they had the creative control that they never have in Hollywood. So we knew that we had something and we had the power as well. Right. I think that was, that was another encouraging way to kind of like look at it in the sense of like we, if we forge forward, you know, these guys are come up on a, on a heartbeat and, the, and just come up and, and work with us, even though they're on bigger shows and, and anything, because this, the, they follow the creativity. That's what we all got into it for. Right. Now, when you talk about creativity, I mean, I see in, and I've, I've watched and talked to different directors mm. and they work things differently. Some feel that you should have everything, all your ducks lined up in a row and that if you prepared beforehand, you don't need to do things this way. And they're very religious about the script. Say what's on the script. Don't ad lib. I don't need you to do all this extra stuff. Um, whereas other directors may say, you know what? add this on the spot or oh that was great do that again or you know what wow let that run let the actors keep going that is great don't cut keep yeah. going yeah and uh i, I mean I've, I've listened to both conversations and and some directors are like you know i just like things free-flowing where other directors i, I talk to they go no everything you know the way they actually look down on that type of process uh -huh. well like i want everything you know um predictable yeah yeah what are your thoughts on that uh they're both wrong uh, I'm right because <laughs> uh, it's, it's yin yang I think it's both I think uh, for me you prepare prepare and drill down as much as possible if you're talking about script you break down the script you drill down on the exact meaning and the idea of what that is when you show up on the day throw that away because you have dealt and understood the work in a way that you can speak to it and speak from it from a position of knowledge and research but also be free enough to allow kind of the moment. So the, when people ask me like, oh, what, what's the part that you wrote and what's the part with Adlib? I, I don't know anymore because the actors brought a lot, you know, make no mistake. They brought up, they, they improved a lot, uh, but also the script gave them that structure to kind of be at those certain spots. So what we, on the day, this is probably Joe, the, the producer's crazy, I'm sure, but we'd have to shoot the script. We'd shoot the pages, shoot the, say the words, and then we'd do other takes where it's like, okay, now we have that, now go try something, just ad-lib something. So we had a lot of ad-libs on top of uh, the scripted uh, delivery and performance. So our editor had this embarrassment of riches to take and choose and pick uh, you know, as freely as he wanted to from all these things. It takes a longer process because it takes more for me to do my homework. It takes more time for the editor to, to put all of that together. But to me, it makes it more organic. Right. So I'm not, I don't lean to one towards the other way. I do feel naked. If I don't prepare, I feel naked. 
Okay. So I have to prepare. Right. But if I just come there, I don't want to say like this, we're going to do this exactly the way because the actors come in something wing, the production side comes in DP, they all have ideas. That's the whole point of film. Like let's all work together and how we can build this together. So that's, that's the kind of way I look at it. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I, I wanted to touch on the, um, the heart and soul of the film. Now, you know, Wing, you know, he came on, the produ- production designer, he came on and he said, you know, it felt like a family. Once he stepped on set, he never saw so many people of different backgrounds working um, on a movie that, and everyone was uh, enjoying it um, and they were happy to be part of it. I wanted to touch on, like, you know, uh, what was the mission? Was the mission about representation, diversity? Was it about, you know, trying to tell the story through the lens of being a minority? Because there were certain uh, uh, um, motifs of the of the movie that I, you know I gravitated towards family you know father son dynamic like can you touch on that a little bit yeah the mission was to try to get me to make a studio movie off of this it's like just make the millions multi millions is what I want to get uh, and then on the day I guess we had noble or craft <laughs> noble pursuits no, right? no, no, yes yes oh I said the quiet part loud then loud part loud. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah yeah um, the mission was the work, the story. What was this, like, every, on the day, again, what was the audience? What served the story best? It's not about us. It's not about ego. Leave all that at that door. You know, in a lot of ways, it is like this martial arts school. You know, when you come in and you learn, you empty your cup, you leave all the crap, leave, leave your stuff all at the door, come in and learn and, and take it all in. So that's the way I kind of approach the work in terms of having um, um, that ego freeness as 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 free as it can be and it's always going to be there but as free as you can be with the ego and be able to tell the story so all the things that we had the theme the story the family the martial arts the the brotherhood um it was already done on the page so it's now it's just kind of serving that so the work to me was already kind of like done in the writing and now our job is actually put it into real life so it's like you can always point back to it it's like that that's that true north right so what's so. next for you guys that studio movie man someone call me please yeah. <laughs> avengers yeah, Avengers 50. Can I do like, I don't know. You know, I actually auditioned for a, um, a Shang-Chi. Hey. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All for, right. For, I think, I think missed the, out, man. The, the casting director, um, and, and this is like, I'm like done with acting too. But I just mm. got a, an email. I was like, what is this for? I was like, it sounds like it's for Marvel. Oh. <laughs> I just yeah, read yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Wow. I was like, I think this might. I was like, okay, I think I might put my hat, you know, throw my hat back in the ring for this. I love it. And uh, yeah, I, I showed up to the audition, and it was the, I think it was the same person that casted it, the same casting that the casting director that casted for um, Mar- Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel. Oh, okay, okay. Her, so because uh, I looked her up, I was like, oh, who, who's gonna be here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I went in there. You could tell when it's when they're not interested. I mean, you could just feel that vibe when they just smile politely, but you're you're in and you're out like that. Uh, there's no follow-up and you kind of feel like all right well i'm not getting that one but she had a lot of questions and uh, she made me do things that was off the, the original so oh, why don't you do this oh why don't you try it this way so i was right. like oh snap so then at the end i was leaving she goes oh by the way can you speak chinese i said yeah of course <laughs> and she's like which one she had this smile on her face i said uh, cantonese she's like how about the other one you know mandarin i was like uh no and she goes oh her, her, <laughs> i mean you had one year she had, the, you had yeah, one yeah. year of uh she went wow yeah. i just saw that drop i was like well there it goes and uh yeah so that was my audition for shang chi i was oh, like i know man. i'm not getting a it's second the mandarin call. 
Oh, so I don't yeah. know if that was it, but he wanted you to be the villain. I, I the felt Mandarin. <laughs> that's what you're oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was up for Aquafina part two yeah. as well. I was, I was up for that, but I was filming the movie Paper Tigers. I was like, mm, please, I'm, call me when I'm done. I'm so, I'm so over here. Is that your goal? It's like uh, to do a Marvel film. Uh, I want to make a lot of money doing it. Right. <laughs> yes. Make no mistake. If I sell out, it's not called selling out. If I'm saying it now. Uh, no, I think the goal is to be able to tell stories. You know, whatever story, whether the budget. Um, I don't know, hopefully we don't spend another 10 years doing that. Let's caveat that. Like, but whatever stories uh, interest me, because at the end of the day, uh, you're going to spend four or five years on a project, right? right. So you want to be able to wake up in the morning and have something that kind of gets you up and actually motivates you. So if it's just for the paycheck, no. But if it's for the story or something that interests me, then absolutely. So yeah, whatever whatever's in front of me, uh, it, it, you just kind of take it uh, for what it, what it is at first. So what do you find interesting? I find interesting stories that are um about something really because i think a lot of movies maybe something that you mentioned the old school feel like i don't really watch a lot of current stuff maybe he can assess i don't really watch uh, i don't watch current stuff because a lot of feels kind of fluffy and i i I look for older work like billy wilder to me is like a movie god because his movies go from different genres right so you know it may not just be kung fu for me for the next project but it's about something about humans and about things, kind of the condition of humans, but also in an entertaining way, right? Something that's uh, something that uh, has a point and can engage an audience as wide as possible. I'd watch a movie of you directing something like that. Yeah. I think... I think well, I made I noirs, yeah. I mean, the short that. lived with you, that was a film noir, and, you know, I've made, you know, thrillers and other stuff, so it's not just uh, kung fu that this, this probably most people come to know, know me for, so... Right. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to approach, right? Like, because I think for us... Everyone was just like, oh, you, you timed it so well to make, you know, a, a POC-led <laughs> film with, you know, like during the rise of Asian hate and all this stuff. And it's like, yo, the script did not change for 10 years. Like, it, like we wrote this then and people weren't ready. Like, it was just like, that's the truth. And that, you know, yes, we, we talk about representation right now and like what we went through. But that was never our goal to be, you know, spreading you know this news about representation all that i mean it's important but at the end of the day do we have to do this every single time right. you know like that's that's the part that we we're trying to fight is that our asianness should not always be in the forefront of our movies it's you know if you watch the paper tigers we never mention being asian nope and that's part of the reason why i love the movie so much like i was i i said like I said, it didn't seem like you guys were trying to break the model, model, model minority, which I do see a lot of Asian films doing. Like, it's like we have to prove, you know, like every single step of the way. And, that, and that's just a reflection of life. You know, I see a lot of Asians at times trying to prove that they're American enough or I'm not um, from over there. I'm not from over here. You know, it's, yeah. it, and I see that in film, too. And when I saw that in Paper Tigers, I was well, the Paper Tigers. <laughs> um, it was very refreshing to me. And to the point where I can just watch this, just like Wayne and I were talking about, we're like, it was the, what's nice about being in, in the Asian American, uh, working in Asian American film, uh, it's, it's because he didn't have to explain, part of it, it was like, he didn't have to explain about being Asian or people kind of question him or anything. He can just be a human being. I think that's, that's part of the intrigue. I want to move us in that direction. That's the fantasy, right? Do you think that will within our lifetime whether in film or just society will be at a stage where we can just be human we can just be people where we don't have to explain ourselves because there's a existing stereotype that is false i think as poc artists we we just need more repetition 
like and opportunities like because and get the, these stories out there right like like the paper tigers where uh, you know it i think we're at the cusp of something right now but we still need more reps it's the free throw back to ba basketball right we need the reps we're like we're shooting 65 percent free throw line right now it's like <laughs> and that's terrible yeah and, and, and so we need to you know be out there making mo more movies like and you know like if you're out here supporting the paper tigers you should be supporting other films as well you know it's not one or the other it's not just i only support disney and shang chi or you know like we're not bad mouthing big blockbuster asian american films or indie films it it has to be both because for the history of you know hollywood white films are all supported the same way and and so but it also comes down to kind of audience conditioning where it's like mm. how do you watch films like and, and i think we're all trained because you know we live here that you know we've always had sort of this western perspective of film so like when you watch the paper tigers you realize okay number one we don't over explain asianness like oh you know like hit the gong and then once upon a time like, da, 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 <laughs> right like and then this i was kind of afraid of that that you would oh, try no. to go that route to do just for comedy's sake too mm -hmm. like you would throw it in there uh, and and as soon as it, the after five minutes i was like i don't think they're gonna go yeah. that route <laughs> and, and and so like you know and, and you know we've we've had feedback about like well why didn't you explain what you know challenge matches were bamos you know like and stuff like that and i was just and then you know like for us it, it if you think about it, like when you watch other Western films, like European films and stuff like that, when they drop in European literature, you're supposed to know what that literature yep. is about, right? But why, when we say BEMO, everyone's just like, I don't understand. You need to fill me in on what BEMO is. Like, it's just like, no, go Google it. This, you know, that's our movie. Like, that's who we are. And then like, you know, like if you also notice, there's other Asian languages in there. We don't explicitly say, oh, this is Cantonese, this is Mandarin, this is Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is our lives. We know, we have friends that speak multiple languages and you should know what language th that is. You don't have to like specifically understand every single word, but like, you know, I'm Vietnamese, but like, you know, I have Taiwanese friends and when they speak, I can pick it up. And like, you know, and, and so that just kind of shows that, you know, like we just need to stop putting borders around us, right? When we when we think of film, you know, like film is a universal international thing, right? You know, Korean films, Bong Joon-ho, like, you know, like he's a master. Oh my gosh, that he's guy. He's a master, right? But like, you know, but people push back. They're just like, I don't want to read subtitles. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I think we need to stop, kind of take a step back and kind of think about how, how are we watching movies in what perspective? And like, we, we just got to open up a little bit. And I think You're that's- absolutely right. That's when we start, you know, um, telling authentic stories where we don't have to over explain who we are you allow yourself to go into to a journey where where or, or an adventure that you may not have ever gone to if you just stuck with the same things that you're used to it, it, it opens your mind to other lives other stories other worlds and I, I and that's what i just love so much about films and and the art of it is just it's incredible, you know. Just watching the picture sometimes gets me blown away. Like, oh, they live in here, or that place actually exists on Earth somewhere, or there's something in outer space. Like, just the imagination of everything is just well, or the comedy. You know, all of these things just play such a big role into uh, the way we look at out at the world, and 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 you re you realize how narrow our thinking is. 
And that's why I love uh, storytellers and filmmakers. I have a high respect for them because they are able to eloquently tell stories around a campfire. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I teased at the beginning about, you know, Asian American film festivals and Asian Canadian films because it's part all family talk. But, you know, the, that's the importance of that space. And to what Alan was saying, filmmakers getting reps. And uh, truth be told, maybe not all the work that's at a festival is good, but they're getting their sea legs. They're learning. They're learning that feedback of playing in front of an audience. They're getting all those things as filmmakers. And that's how I kind of developed my voice as well through Asian American and Asian Canadian films, film festivals. Uh, so it's also important when we talk about res- representation and like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll go out and buy a ticket to the next big studio. Like, don't wait for them to spoon feed you that diversity ticket, right? Go out and support the orgs, support the community, support the film festivals that are showing films and are fostering new voices. And that's just that's just as, if not more important, too, because most of the studio films get talent from the indie level to that's begin true. with, right? So it, it's, it's a kind of a, it's a whole ecosystem um, so that's that's just a, such an important thing that we kind of uh, kind of miss. You know, we just kind of wait for the showtime and when the next ticket to go out to us. But it's a, a year. It's a it's a, a year round process to cultivate uh, a culture of representation, not just seeing that one face on screen and that two faces on on TV. Yeah. Do you guys think it's going to change within our lifetime? We'll get enough reps in to the point where I guess the younger generation now will just grow up and just see Asians and not have to question what Bamo is and all this other stuff and have to understand, like, I don't understand your Chinese. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? No, I, I think, you know, I, I'm i optimistic, you know, that it, it will... I'm optimistic that, you know, there will be change. Now, whether it's the change that, you know, everyone can agree that that's enough or whatever, you know what I mean? That's I think it's always going to be ongoing. But, um, you know, one, one point I always want to, you know, bring up is, you know, that the word itself representation what what does that actually mean you know like everyone's you know wearing you know the shirts supporting each other that's all great you know but like we also have to remember you know representation is also behind the camera you know it's it's in front and behind the camera and and the power and everything starts behind the camera you know and that's when you start seeing the story the right stories come out like and, and i think a lot of studios right now like they've kind of hijacked the term representation for marketing purposes, right? Like, it's like, well, look at this. I plugged in an Asian guy and, you know, like someone who is like LGBTQ and, you know, the black guy's here and, you know, and then all of a sudden as an audience, we're like, we're being spoon fed. We're like, yes, representation, I will support that. But right. behind the scenes, what what is the quality of those roles? Very true. I mean, you see it in the, in some of the streaming sites where it's like, oh, here's everything on on here's black films, here's Asian films, yeah, you know, or and, API films. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know, for us through this journey, we've seen we see through the bullshit because five years ago, studios still didn't like our movie the way it was shaped, right? Like we were still pitching, you know, like and. And all of a sudden, now representation... Oh, like, now you guys are sexy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, we get the emails. We we check the names. We remember who said what. Ooh, petty. I, petty. Don't, <laughs> I, just, I don't remember. I'm it. taking it's, notes. Yeah, That's I'm why you're the producer here. Because yeah. I'm the dude who was yeah. on the road yeah. talking with everyone, pitching, and I remember what they say. Yeah. And and people that's the thing. Remember, yeah, people remember how you make them feel. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is that, like, I want to flip you know the turn the table not flip well i kind of want to flip the flip table, table turn like flip and turn it yeah flip and turn you know like but i want to turn the tables where in you know in the future sometime in my career where i'm just like you know what i want someone to pitch to me that same project 
right and open other opportunities for Ooh. others so representation is not just at the audience level hey you know go buy my shirt and you know like i'll, I'll support your film it's like hey I will one day be that studio. One day we will have the studios. One day, you know, like it, um, it's kind of like Tyler Perry, right? Like he turned the tables. Oh, he's yeah, like, he did. He's like, I control the table. That's my table now, right? And and I think you know at the you know our Asian American level is just like I want a table. Yeah. And I will welcome whoever has a good story. Right. Regardless, come to the table and let's let's talk. Let's let's get you some reps. You know, like that's that's really what the goal is. Yeah, I think it's a feedback loop uh, with the audience because as more, I think maybe the audience has been in this kind of traumatized mode and uh, we're always looking for, we've been screwed over by whitewashing for so many years that we're always looking for at least something to get it right. Um, example being like, uh, you know, is, did the portrayal of the Asians, is it, is it honest? Is it, are we not gangsters? Are we not like, we're looking for, to me, that's kind of like n looking for portrayal that doesn't make us look bad, but we're not looking for actual human three-dimensional portrayals as long as you didn't you know screw it up like we're okay with that but I, you know we want to push it forward i think like what you're saying to not see the asianness of the film i think is intentional because um we want to move forward and we're not trying to tick the boxes and try to get the representation you know checklist right for everybody because everybody's you know like that so case in point there's a you know the scene where uh our characters are wearing shoes in the house right and if you're coming from a place like being screwed over by representation, you're going to be like, oh, that's not authentic. That's not an authentic portrayal. But we're trying to move the ball forward and saying, like, I'm trying to tell you a story. Right. These characters are exactly the ones who type the Asians who would wear shoes in the house. Uh, so now take that as a story point and let's move that forward. So I think we're still in that inflection point where people are still kind of caught up of just like representation for as yeah. a check mark versus like a story. What's the story being told to us? Because at least trust that you're in good hands with filmmakers that have your perspective and just let's. Let's see where that goes. Yeah. But I mean, we look at us here. We, we all still have our shoes, aren't we? To hey, make take it look at us. I don't care. <laughs> We're in a kung fu <laughs> school with shoes on. Can you believe that? That's We're right. Like, yeah. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a tricky thing. I think it's like, it's just trying to get the audience to come along, but also as filmmakers to be more free with your choices, not feel like that rep sweats thing. You know, that yeah. whole, it's like the other side of the imposter syndrome is rep sweats. Is that if you're the dude, you're the girl that's up there on the spotlight with that, with that microphone. Everyone's expecting you to say the right things, do the right things, oh, speak the right things. That's such a tough burden yeah. to carry. Yeah. 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 And that's, I, I can't imagine that that's a, a happy place to, to be creative. No, I mean, like we, we kind of went through it where it was, um, you know, we, I mean, you already know it's the 10 year journey, but like even for the Asian American community even pushed back at us where they're just like another Kung Fu movie. Like why Kung Fu? You know, like, you know, that stereotype. And we're just like, no, we want to tell the story that, there are Asian Americans who should embrace what they grew up with, right? Like, you know, For we real. all went to martial arts. Yeah. Martial arts is no different from, you know, kids having soccer practice. Piano. piano. I love that you said that. Thank <laughs> you. Know you. I, mean? I love that you said that. We're normalizing something that was taken away from us, essentially, right? Yeah. Because like, why like, is it okay for this kid to do boxing, this kid to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and then when you hear an Asian kid doing... Uh, kung fu or martial arts are like immediately ashamed of that yeah mm -hmm. and, you know, or, and, and, or somewhat taboo i'm fitting a stereotype like it's like they made us ashamed of who we are yep yeah. yeah and and we wanted to change that narrative because like you know it and and it's it's reaching people now like we we, we read all the comments that you know like hey i grew up just like that you know i i went to kung fu you know after school i have my seafood and and we're we're kind of like revealing this story that's never told where it's like 
Asian Americans, not even just Asian Americans. It's like a lot of just Americans, like people in general who have a relationship with their Sifu or their martial arts teacher that, you know, it really touched you know, a chord, you know, it hit a chord with them. Yeah. And so th those are some of, the, some of the things that we wanted to bring out with this. You know, like we're not this monolith that is going to represent all. Right, right. Asians, like when you say Asian, I mean, you're going to be talking about, you know, mainland, like even just saying Chinese. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! There's so many like different dialects within and, and cultures within. And there's each. politics involved and all this stuff. And you know, the same you know with Vietnamese. Like when you say Vietnam, is it Vietnam Vietnam or is it Vietnamese American? Which side? You know, like mm -hmm. all this stuff. And so for us, it's just more of this is multicultural, and but everyone's in under one roof. Yeah. What happens? You know. By the way, Vietnam is one of my favorite countries I've ever mm -hmm. vis visited. Yeah. Uh, have you guys? I mean, you you were you did a film there. But, I've never been back. Oh, that's no. amazing. So. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but on top of that, even in like yeah. just in Asian America, you have Black Americans. Tell us, like martial arts was taught. Like, where this movie set in Seattle, but like when Bruce Lee came to Seattle, mm -hmm. he taught. He opened his first kung fu school there and taught non-Chinese, Black Americans, Mexican Americans, Filipino. Like he taught all types of races, you know, yeah. to the chagrin of his elders. But that's also the reflection of the story that we're trying to tell is also the multiculturalness of Kung Fu, of multiculturalness, of brotherhood, family. It, it extends beyond all those things. So again, just that common love bringing together different people from different races. And what's that story? Right. So, and I think when we come together, it's just so beautiful. You see it in sports. You, I mean, you get examples of it when, we, when, when it's just a melting pot. It's just so beautiful. There's just something about it that just when I see it in a film and it works and it's just, I'm like, yeah, that's it. That that's, that's what I can relate to because I, I mean, I grew up in New York city. So, I mean, I had friends from all over the place and I never really, it gets to a point if you're in New York city, you don't think like, Oh, that's my Jewish friend. Oh, that's my black friend. That's you just go, that's my friend. And it's just normal. And we all have very similar parallel issues and hap things that make us happy and and sports and and music and taste and food and then when you go see a film you're like that is what the fuck is this like this is not how i interact with my friends at all like we interact as normal people the way i interact with you guys is how i interact with my other friends who you know who aren't asian so it's mm. just when they try to make us do some extra things sometimes it's just it's getting to a point where i'm just it's it feels stale. It's just a stale narrative that's, uh, I feel, I think people are starting to move in a direction where they're going, they're starting to see that too. And I think it's showing with uh, a lot of the mainstream from, you get news channels to films where people are just not interested anymore. Where the investors, and you guys can probably speak more to this, are, are afraid to invest in a lot of these films unless it's, it's a sure thing, uh, like a Marvel film or like a part two of a part one that was successful. Sequel. Yeah. yeah. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it across the whole landscape, even music and movies that you we can't go a bit back to business as usual or as as it was done before, where you have kind of like a majority or very monolithically white stories or white music or anything. It's it's like we that shift is already changing. Uh, whether the studios or the the ones with big money kind of get it or not, that's still up to debate. But the audience is looking and hungry. 
They're holding wait, on. They're holding, yeah. 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 <laughs> they're holding on. They're, they're not letting they're, that yeah. power go. They're white knuckling that. But so, yeah, exactly. The audience is hungry. They're, they're, and if they're not getting it from Hollywood or from the mainstream, they're looking for elsewhere. And you see that. And that even crossover appeal of anime and uh, K-pop or K-drama or anything like that. Right. It goes beyond just, uh, just Asians watching it. Like, everyone's into it now. So yes. you see the nexus of entertainment shifting. And, right. and like, even the award shows, nobody gives a shit no. about it. The ratings are, I mean, very, we spoke to, I very mean, stodgy, right? Yeah. Very stodgy. It, it was shocking to me how, I mean, I didn't care about it, but, but that's because I never really did. Yeah. Uh, ever since internet was born, yeah. I, I kind of yeah. stopped paying attention yeah. to award shows. It just yeah. didn't really matter much for it. Just, I didn't see it bringing value in my life. Uh, to some, it may, but I was, I thought that, it was just a topic of conversation back yeah. in the day. I thought people would be interested in it. And when I saw the numbers that came out for it, it blew my mind. I just didn't know it was that bad. But it's a complicated thing. We think we're losing kind of the luster. We don't really be like we, in terms of chasing the awards or anything, but our parents still do. Right. right. In our mind, the upper generation, That's true. if you don't hit Oscar, you don't hit those things. Like those are the markers of white achievement. And if you don't hit those, then what are you doing, right? So we're still, we still have to unpack a lot of things kind of generationally as well. But we do know the shift in terms of the values of what makes a movie good or what makes an album great mm-hmm. isn't the awards, isn't the, you know, the accolades and the nominations, all those things. Those are great. But, you know, but it, all things in, in their own place yeah. and in the right proportion, right? That's how you should always approach it. But right. these are the markers that generationally is still considered a thing. So that's a lot to unpack still that we have to do. Right. And that... And also, do do those artists or uh, creators even care about getting that acknowledgement from that generation Some anymore? Do. Some still do. Very much. Clout yeah. chasing. The clout chasing is real across any generation, you know? But would they rather yeah. get the clout from their peers? Or would they rather get that clout from up top? You know, from the older generation? That depends on who you ask. That's I mean, it really, it really it does vary. It really does vary. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Do, yeah. do we have another two hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys are welcome anytime. Let's get Seafood's Johnny Walker out here. We need to get this going. Oh, oh, that, be like, that would be a different like, podcast. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I know you guys have to go soon. Yeah, um, you guys have a movie premiere. premiere. Thank you guys for coming on board. Is there anything you guys, last bit uh, you guys want to share? Asian people, don't be lazy. Go see the movie as soon as you can. Go support. Yeah. Like, 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 it's not, we're not on a studio schedule. Like, it's, the Avengers are in theaters for six, seven weeks. That's not the case. We're, like, week by week. We don't know how long we'll be in the theaters, if we will be in the theaters. If we're on VOD, you know, come check us out and rent it and all those things. But just don't, try to feel uh, you got to do it very soon. Don't, don't delay in supporting uh, Asian American work and just do it and support it and talk about it. If you like it, please share it. And all that. So I think uh, just the noise that we need to build is all grassroots. Your word of mouth, your, our word of mouth, and our friends. And all and that's all we rely on. That's all we have. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've achieved like critical success, like 100 percent, like you said, on Rotten Tomatoes, and you know, 10 year journey, um, battling all this stuff that we really did not want to deal with, right? But we're here, and it's mainly because of you know. Asian American community, but there's plenty of more people out there that, you know, really should watch this. And, you know, the theater experience, you can't beat it. And, and you know, if you feel safe enough, definitely come out and watch it. And then um, if not, you know, we have we're on all digital platforms. Um, we did really well on the first week. Number five um, on iTunes um, and then uh, and then shout out to uh, Rotten Tomatoes. They, they had um, a list, the top 65 Asian American films of all time. And we, time. we made the list. We are number 10. All right. So 
shout out to Rotten Tomatoes for you know you know putting us on the map. You know what I mean? Because again, ten years of no's, and we made our own yes. We made it, and we're we're number ten. God right. damn it! I love came you know, from the bottom. Now we're here. Just so many things you guys said during this uh, podcast is just so quotable. I can just take little egg, <laughs> little pieces out, and they're just like nice little nuggets. I could just put just in a bit a, titles. Put in a fortune cookie. <laughs> anyway, Norm. Um, thank you guys for sharing your ten year journey. It's been a very special, you know, discussion, and you know, good luck to you guys for the rest of your journey on on you know the the film. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Much. Thanks for having me. No, you guys check out Paper Tigers, but not just because it's, you know, people of color or Asian representation. It's, it's just a fun film, you know, to kick back, watch with your friends and and have a few good laughs. And, you know, there's action, there's comedy and uh, life lessons as well. And, uh, yo, I'm telling you, Seafood Carter, <laughs> Seafood Carter will not disappoint. That's your boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. All that's right. it. Lucky boys out. Lucky Peace. boys out. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our episodes.